Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled The Russia The The Russia. We'll learn tonight. Tonight's class is dedicated to the memory of Corin Bat Avraham. Her Nishama should have an Aliyah and she should be a good energy, a good, she should be seated on behalf of all of those that she knew and all of Klal Yisrael for only good things. Well, when we talk about a Russia, a wicked person, so it rings a lot of bells in our minds. We start having different thoughts. What does that mean? And we'll talk more about it tonight. But I'd like to begin with the story of Rabbi Elazar ben Dordaya. Before I continue, it is important for everyone here to know it is forbidden according to the Torah to make yourself a Russia. Quote, you're not allowed to make yourself a Russia. So even if we walk around thinking we're a Russia, then let's not forget we're breaking the first words of Tanya. The very first words of the very first words of Tanya. If you turn to the beginning of chapter one, it starts off with the quote from Ethics of Our Fathers, Pirkei Avot, chapter 2, the al And be not wicked in your own estimation. Don't think of yourself as a Russia. It's not going to do you any good. So, we all need to certainly think positive. But we'll, we'll get more into this. So back to Rabbi Elazar ben Dordaya. He was a very wicked man. A rabbi. Remember, I'm going to repeat his name. Rabbi Elazar, the rabbi. Good evening. Rabbi Elazar ben Dordaya, one of the most wicked people. He did everything he can to fulfill one of the worst sins, one of the most cardinal sins. And at one point, after a certain incident, the Gemara, it's a Gemara in Tracted Avodah Zarah, Yud Zayin Amad Aleph 17a, the Gemara shares. Someone, someone told them, he, they said, you'll never be able to do Teshuvah, you'll never be able to repent. And he, he was shooken up a little bit. And I'm going to quote the English here. Let me, and I quote Rabbi Lazar ben Dordaya thereupon went, sat between two hills and mountains, and exclaimed, Oh, ye hills and mountains, plead for mercy for me. Please, ask Hashem for mercy. I'm done for. And they replied, the mountains replied to him, How shall we pray for you? We stand in need of mercy ourselves. As we learn in Isaiah, in Yeshaya, for the mountains shall depart and the hills will be removed. We ourselves are in need of mercy. Okay, so Elazar ben Dordaya, he, he says, you know what, heaven and earth, do me a favor, pray on my behalf. And they tell him, how, heaven and earth, how can we pray on your behalf? We are also need mercy of Hashem. As the verse tells us, again in Yeshaya, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke and the earth shall wax old like a garment. <laughs> we also have our own issues. So he says, okay, heaven and earth, 
Fine. Sun and moon, please, pray on my behalf. And again they say, how can we pray on your behalf? We also are in need of mercy. The, then, quoting again from Yeshaya, then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed. <laughs> we got our own issues to deal with. And he says, okay, stars and the mazalot, please pray on my behalf. And again they say, we, we are in the same need of mercy and all the hosts of heaven will wither away. So finally, Allah ben Dodai at that time, he's like that child or that adult that's blaming everyone else. He says, you take care of me. But at this point, said he, the matter then depends upon me alone. No one's going to help me. Everyone has, everyone has what to deal with. No one's going to help me. Having placed his head between his knees, he wept aloud until his soul departed. A man who truly sinned throughout his life. He wept and his soul departed. And the Gemara concludes, a heavenly voice, a bat call, was heard proclaiming, Rabbi Elazar ben Dordai is destined for the life of the world to come. Straight to the world to come. <clears throat> Comes along Rabbi, Rabbi Huda Hanasi, the author of the Gemara, and he starts crying. And I'd like to read this to you in the Hebrew, nothing like the Hebrew. Bacha Rabbi. Rabbi Hudanasi is crying. The Amrani says, Some people, they acquire Gan Eden, the world to come, in many, many years. It takes them 70, 80 years. Some people get Gan Eden in one second. The Amar Rabbi, and Rabbi Hudanasi continues, It's not enough. For people that do teshuvah, that we accept their teshuvah, we call them rabbi. He truly sinned. The Gemara enumerates his sins. And yet when he passed away, the, the heavenly voice did not say, Elazar ben Dordaya is, is going to Gan Eden. To quote, it said, Rabbi Elazar ben Dordaya, Rabbi. Prestigious man, Elazar ben Dordaya, come in, Mizuman haba, come, join us in heaven, join us in Gan Eden. So when we're going to talk about the Russia, let us not forget that it could take one moment, no matter where we're holding, no matter where we may find ourselves, it takes one minute for that transformation to happen, to go from the worst to the best. We're not talking about the worst to the... In the worst to Ravi, Allah's or Ben Dordaya. So I thought this is certainly a befitting introduction to, to our class, the Russia. I hope I'm not being esoteric or technical. Are we not supposed to put our heads between our legs because um, it is attempting to um, enter into a, a direct ascendancy as in... Um, Kabbalah. I'm going to choose to leave that for another time. Fair observation. I'm, I'm going to, but okay. that, that's the story. The story is a man. Is everyone familiar with? Curious, is everyone familiar with the Gemara? I'm going to repeat it. If if you were here in the first in chapter one, you heard it. Let me repeat it. The Gemara shares that if someone, if a wicked man goes to a woman and says, "You are my wife." 
he puts a ring on her finger and says, you are my wife on condition that I am a tzaddik, a wicked man. He goes to a woman and says, if I am a tzaddik, a righteous man, you are now my wife. What's the halacha? What's the law? We say, you know what? That woman needs a get. Because he could have very well become a tzaddik in one second. If at the time he put the ring on her finger, he had intention to do full teshuvah, he's now a righteous man. And therefore, he may be married. So, so again, we see this idea that to go from the worst level to do proper teshuva takes only one moment. The question is, are we fully involved at that moment? Are we really giving ourselves over? Are there any questions before we... Yes. But if he's a wicked man um, um, and known to be wicked, I'm wondering if, like, maybe not so, like, yet, but maybe an annulment, because it's under some sort of false tense or something. <coughs> like, if, she, if, she, if it's known to be wicked, like, is it forceful? Like, what's, what's going on? I want to know more to the story. Fair enough. I mean, there's, there's many details that we could discuss about the specifics of his wickedness. Well, and she's consenting to this marriage, right? You, you, can't, you can't marry a woman unless she consents. And we're talking about his potential for teshuva, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Aren't there, though, some sins that are so bad that you, you just can't uh, do teshuva? Or it won't be accepted no matter what? <laughs> I have the tractate Sanhedrin 90A open. I'd like to get to it at the end of class. Let's see if we get there. Okay, into the Tanya chapter 11. The whole chapter 11 is really talking about the Russia. It's really talking about the wicked person. And I'd like to refresh your memory by reading the beginning of chapter 11 again. Just the beginning. Refresh our memory on what's going on. And then we'll skip ahead. If you recall, the definition of a tzaddik in halacha, what is the, in the heavenly court, what is the definition of a tzaddik? Anyone recall? A righteous man in the heavenly court is 51% good deeds. 51% good deeds, you're a righteous man in court. You could take it to court. 51% bad deeds, you're a sinner. God forbid, in court. 50 Dude, and 50. That was close. <laughs> 50 and 50, you're in between. That's in the heavenly court. In reality, a tzaddik is someone, as we learn in chapter 10, that has no active bad inside of him. He doesn't, there may be bad, but he himself is not aware of the bad. That's a tzaddik. The rasha we're learning is someone that has the ability to sin right now. If there is energy within him that can actively sin, even if he doesn't sin, but he has the ability to actively sin, and we're going to talk about this at great length. Then, in essence, he has energy of wickedness within him. Let's see that inside. Chapter, chapter 11, page 44. And therefore, a Russia. And therefore, a Russia. Yes. Chapter 11, page 44. One is opposite the other. The wicked man who prospers. Remember, whatever exists in godliness exists in the opposite of godliness. Just to give you an example, close to home, close to the parsha of the week. Last week we learned of the sin of the Garden of Eden. 
if, you, if you're familiar with the details, it makes zero sense. Let me share with you a few details. First of all, everything was permissible in the Garden of Eden aside for one tree. That's it. Eat anything you want aside for the tree of good and bad. That's it. Okay. How long was that decree active for? Two hours. God instructed Adam and Eve not to eat for it in a total of two hours. <clears throat> Man was only created midday. The decree only came at the tenth hour and it was going to end by the beginning of Shabbos. What's the big deal? Was going to end by the beginning of Once Shabbos began, the decree, would have ended. the decree was going to be over. And they could have eaten yeah. at that time. Did they know that? I believe so. But either way, let's imagine they didn't know. What's the big deal? What was this big temptation to eat from this tree? And yes, of course, psychologically, if someone tells you no, you... But come on, <laughs> the world was just created. You have so many things to see. You got, you're getting stuck on the one thing. I'm sure as a principal you've had that student who, yeah, he had to do with the opposite of whatever you say. But come on, Adam. Adam was the greatest person. We say he was Yetir Kap of Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was created by the palm of God. He was the only person who actually God to him blew in his nostril. God physically created him more than any other person. He was so bright, he outshone the sun. So what he's going, Hashem told him not to eat it, he eats it. Adam Harishim was so great that Hashem had to make an equal negative energy. Otherwise there's no free choice. For there to be free choice, there has to be equal energy. And that is why we learn, the greater you are, the greater the power to do evil is going to try and hit you. The critical element, if I may presume, was that he acquired, as did Hashem, the knowledge, which is the first word, knowledge, between good and evil, and therefore became mortal. And only man among God's creatures has that ability to emulate Hashem. And if I may presume again, that's the critical issue of his eating the forbidden fruit. Correct. The Torah says that uh, in the Torah it's written he shouldn't become like one of us. Well, yeah. But how did he come to eat it? Because there was the biggest, in the words of Kabbalah we say, every single desire someone, someone has today was confounded in one desire for Adam. Because that's what it was. It was all of our desires in that one desire, because if he would have overpowered it, that would have been the end. We would have gone right into the Garden of Eden, we would have gone into the era of Mashiach. There would have been no sin. So, if any of, not, probably none of us have ever sinned, we're not familiar, but someone that has sinned knows there's a lot of energy. <laughs> Imagine all the energy of all of us, that's big. So there was, and that's what we're saying over here. One is opposite the other. Whatever God created in the good, He created in the bad to make it equal, to give us free choice. And the wicked man who prospers, back in the Tanya, page 44, right-hand column, is antithetical to the righteous man who suffers. We said the tzaddik viraloi, there's a righteous man who has some bad within him, and now we're saying the opposite, there's, a, there's the wicked man who, who has good within him. That is to say, the goodness that is in his divine soul 
And where is the divine soul which is in his brain and in the right part of his heart is subservient to and nullified by the evil of the klipa that is in the left part. Remember we said the godly soul is in your brain and the right hand side of your heart. The animalistic soul, klipa, is in the left hand side of your heart. So the wicked man who has good is a wicked man who the left side of his heart is overpowering the right hand and his brain. Is that why sleep we hit the left side of our chest? That's why we hit our heart as a whole. Yes, our heart leads us to sin. So, there are many levels of the wicked man who has good within him. Last time we discussed the wicked man, who he's, the wicked is very small. We said he's only sinning in one of the three garments. It only happens every so often. It's a very small sin. Now we're going to go to a much greater level of sin. Let's go to page 46. Now we're going to ju jump ahead. Page 46, again, right-hand column, top paragraph. <laughs> we're going to now explain the lower level of the wicked man who prospers, the wicked man who has good within him. There is also the person, again, page 46, right-hand column. There is also the person in whom the wickedness prevails more strongly. That means there's more wicked within, wickedness within him. And not only is there more, but it's and all three garments of evil clothe themselves within him. That means his thought, speech, and action are all controlled by the evil energy. And that causes him to commit greater sins and more frequent sins. Okay, it's getting more serious. But, this, this wicked man, he has good within him and therefore, intermittently, he suffers remorse. He feels bad and thoughts of repentance enter his mind. He does a sin and he's like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. That was a real mistake. Where is, that neg where is that thought of repentance coming from? That's from the quality of good that is in his soul. That gathers strength now and then. Remember, there's the big guy and the small guy. The big guy is the evil, the small guy is the good. Well, the small guy every so often knocks sense into evil and says, Hey, what are you doing? You know that's wrong. But he's still the small guy. He's being bullied. Every so often he taps in and says, What's going on? Hey. However, he has not enough strength. The small guy, the good, doesn't have enough strength to vanquish the evil so as to rid himself entirely of his sins. The good, it's able to remind you, say, hey, what are you doing? But that's where it stops. You're like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And then you do it again. The good is there, but it doesn't have a lot of power. All it could do is it could give you a wake-up call, but then you go back to sleep again. The Gemara says, Wicked people, they're constantly feeling remorse. Meaning, they're constantly sinning and then they feel bad about it, but they sin again. And this is, this is talking about the sinner who has good within him, but it's not very active. He's constantly sinning and he's constantly feeling bad, but he doesn't do anything about it. And he's still a Russian. Certainly, because he's not doing teshuva. Mm -hmm. 
it's even worse because he he has the ability to recognize things that he's doing wrong. He, well, he has the ability to recognize, but he doesn't have the strength. He truly doesn't have the strength at this point in his life to overpower the evil. Sometimes you'll talk to people. I mean, just talking about like addictions. You'll talk to people that are addicted to something. They know it's wrong. And they'll tell you it's wrong and they'll still do it. Perhaps that would be kind of similar to what we're learning here. Like an addict. Like an addict. The Russian knows it's wrong. He still does it. He can't control himself. Let's see that inside here. Inter but intermittently, he suffers remorse. He feels bad. And thoughts of repentance enter his mind. He's like, oh, maybe I should stop. And where does that quality come from? From the quality of good that is in his soul that gathers strength now and then. However, he has not enough strength to vanquish the evil so as to rid himself entirely of his sins and be as one who confesses and abandons his evil ways once and for all. He's not able to confess. These are different steps. And when you do teshuva, there's a few steps. One of them is to confess. Say, Hashem, I sinned. I'm truly sorry. Another step is to say, I won't do it again. <laughs> this person, he knows he's wrong, but he's not able to take these steps. And concerning such a person, the rabbis of blessed memory have said, the wicked are full of remorse. These represent the majority of the wicked in whose soul still lingers some good. The wicked, they're full of remorse. They're like the addict. They know they're wrong, but they can't stop. I need to, I need to make a little clar clarification here. There are some addicts that, tr that constantly know they're wrong, but they'll still do it. Over here we're saying, actually, unfortunately, you don't constantly know you're wrong. We're saying, now and then, you wake up and you're like, oh, maybe I should stop. So it's, it's even worse than, than the addict. Every now and then, you wake up and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I should stop. You, you don't have the power to overcome it. Now, you weren't born this way. Let's clarify that. A person is not born a Russia. And we're going to talk more about our natural energy and how we could naturally break through any, any situation we're in. But there are people, unfortunately, that have sinned and they've become so sunken to their sin, they're in a bad position. They're in a bad, bad position. Previously we talked about Sadiq and how certain people have different potential. Yeah. Is it the same thing with the Russia? That people have different potential to be more of a Russia than others? Do people have more of a, like a, they call it a predisposition? To be, to be a Russia? I, I'd like to quote to you one of the first questions of Tanya. If you don't mind joining me. Let's, let's turn to chapter 1. And in chapter 1, I apologize. In chapter 1, it doesn't clarify it. It touches upon it. Well, yeah, please. The yeah, yeah, there's thousands of different levels. Yeah. So, but to go back to your question, is a person created with a disposition, like a, in, in a method where he's naturally going to be a Russia or a Tzadik? I don't know the answer. It's a good question. I'm not sure. 
But physiologically, what if something's really off on them and they, they can't help certain Could you give me an example? No. <laughs> no, it seems like you find out after the fact, perhaps, somebody had a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. And it um, supposedly led to certain behaviors. Yeah. What you're talking about is a sociopath. Or a psychopath. No, I'm talking about yeah. physiologically. If something is definitely going on, be, their behavior can be traced. Somebody who's an Arab Like some people need orange juice right away in the morning. Yeah. Some kind of sugar in the yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and it affects their behavior. Mm -hmm. I could give you an example. Um, yeah. this, this I just read about recently. <clears throat> Woody Guthrie in his life, he developed Huntington's Korea. And part of that was it affected his brain and his, um, how he interacted with other people. So at the end of his life, when it was really bad, he, he did all kinds of things that were not nice to people that he, that he never would have done earlier in his life. So mm -hmm. it's, What was the condition called again? Huntington's Korea. It's the genetic. But, he didn't it before. but then, then he's not a Russia. If someone's, if someone's not in control of themselves, if someone is absolutely, someone unfortunately who, who has, could I call it a mental illness? So at that point, um, they're not going to be held fully accountable for themselves. Well, we learn in, in, uh, in the Gemara, we learn about a shota, someone who's not completely able to take care of themselves. Um, and again, someone, yeah, someone who's not completely senile. It was not completely. Does everybody know who Woody Guthrie was? He was like a folk singer or something, no? Yeah. He was a prominent figure in the uh, Works Progress Administration during the. Uh, and he wrote a lot of songs that most people don't realize are uh, uh, canons in the American repertoire that he wrote. And was a significant figure. Um, and he also influenced a number of other musicians, such as. Buddy Led Better or Led Belly and others of that genre. He was also Jewish, wasn't he? You know, I want to I want to go back. Sorry, you had a question, you say? No, no, I just said Bob Dylan. I want to go back to this point about a person is naturally created with the ability. Let, let me let me answer your question. I, I think I do know the answer. Is someone created with a with a energy to sin? And the answer is that yes, some people have more um, energy to sin than others. Just remembering what, what I've learned. But, at the same time we learn that they have the ability to overpower that sin. You know, a famous story that's constantly repeated is there was a man who wanted to marry a non-Jewish woman. And he came to the Rebbe and he told him, he says, I want to marry a non-Jewish woman. To which... The Rebbe told him, he said, I'm really jealous of you. I think I've shared this story here. He's, the Rebbe said, I'm really jealous of you. And the man was like, what are you talking about? You're jealous of me. And the Rebbe said, if you're having a challenge to marry a non-Jewish woman, that means God has given you the energy to overcome that challenge. Mm -hmm. He never gave me that challenge. That's a challenge that only you have the energy to overcome. 
So when we talk about people that are born with, uh, there are people, yes, that will naturally be thrown into the fire much faster than others. But they're going to have energy that others don't have to, over to overcome it. Did I answer your question? You did. Yeah. Uh, this is specifically talking about or is this about any, any person? The reason I ask is that it Whoa. comes to mind is the Amalek, for example. Yeah. I mean, they were considered inherently just <clears throat> evil. Right. There is, that's going to a fascinating conversation, not for now. I mean, just to throw out a question, you know, we say that God, He paid back the Egyptians, but seemingly the Egyptians were only doing the will of God. God had told Abraham that his children are going to be enslaved for 400 years. So the Egyptians were fulfilling that prophecy of 400 years and then God killed them. It doesn't really make sense. So yes, they have free choice. We're going to leave that for another time in another place, but good question. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the lowest level, the one no one likes to discuss. Last paragraph, page 46. There is, unfortunately, a man called the Rush of Araloi, the wicked man that is is wicked. If you remember, we said there's the tzaddik, the toivle, there's, there's the, the righteous man, that he has completely removed any bad. Well, we have the opposites. We have the good, the, the bad guy that has completely removed any good. Let's see that. But, page 46, bottom paragraph, he who never feels bad and whose mind no thoughts of repentance at all ever enter, Remember, we said the lowest level, at least. In the previously, we said that the Russia of Etoivloi, the wicked man that has good in him, at least he feels bad. The bad may not push him to actually properly repent, but he feels bad. If you have a wicked man that feels no, he doesn't have any feelings of remorse, and he doesn't even dream of repenting, that's a, that's, this is called the wicked man who suffers, a wicked man who, who has bad. For the evil that is in his soul has alone remained in him. He's removed the good. Having so prevailed over the good that the latter has already departed from within him, standing aloof, so to speak, over him. <laughs> There's, the good is gone. Is that correct? Is that what we said? No. The good can't be gone. Because if God is not within you, you're not alive. The good is aloof, so to speak, over him. Footnote number 12. Very important footnote. And this is going to lead us to understand better the wicked man. Footnote number 12. Thus, the good that is in the soul of this wicked man is in a state of suspended animation. It's paralyzed, yet not destroyed. The good can never be destroyed. You'll hear this often, but here you see it, and we're actually learning. Good can never fully be destroyed. Hence, even the completely wicked individual can, through a paramount effort, reactivate the good and repent. For the gates of repentance are not closed to anyone. Like I told you that story of Rabbi Lazar ben Durodiah. He was on a very low state, but he was able to overcome it. He was able to push. He had to push through because naturally in the state of the wicked man, 
you don't have feelings of remorse. You'll have, if you push through, the gates of repentance are never closed. So, even the wicked man who's, who's completely wicked, the good is still within him. It is paralyzed. It is standing above him. It is in him, but it is above him. Meaning, it is in him, but it is not activated. Paralyzed is a good word. It's there, but nobody knows it. That good within this wicked person is so there, is so real, that we'll now quote a, a term everyone has heard before. But now we're going to learn it in the true sense. It's going to open our mind. Therefore, the sages have said, famous quote from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, on every gathering of ten Jews, the Shekhinah rests. Every time there are ten Jews, period. It doesn't say every time there are ten righteous Jews. Footnote number 13. Sanhedrin 39a. That is to say, even if they are wicked, the Shekhinah rests upon them. Powerful. The Gemara tells us, ten Jews, Shekhinah. It's amazing. Ten Jews, Shekhinah. Good, unfortunately the opposite of good. Ten Jews, Hashem is there. Because every Jew has a spark of God and you can never get rid of it. It's impossible to get rid of it. You can try as hard as you want. Are women counted in that ten in this context? In the context of, of godliness coming? No. That, yes, I, I believe so. I believe so. Not talking about opinionness. No. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. No, you remind me. Women are not in halach are not allowed to be witnesses. So the famous question is, what does that mean? We don't trust women. Well, of course, we trust women. First of all, in in the Torah, there are many many things that women are trusted. And just number one, primary, we trust them in the kitchen. Of course we trust them to make good food. But I'm saying, we, if a woman says food is kosher, we trust her words. Women are, they're very trusted. What does it mean they're not trusted? So firstly, most of the commentators say it's something we'll never understand. It's something above logic. It defies logic. Um... Yeah, that's the main thing I wanted to mention. Basically that, although, you know, we're mentioning minions. But yes, getting back to here, of course, ten women brings, bring, brings Hashem there. Um, Shmir, please. Not. If the gates of repentance never close, yeah. how do you reconcile that with saying what happens at Nila and Yom Kippur? Nila, it's still not closed. After Nila, you dive, did you dive in today? You dive in Shacharit? This morning. Why? <coughs> You already died in the Neil already happened. Obviously. And not only that, we all say Tehillim. Why are we saying Tehillim? It was already decided by Yom Kippur. Because we could always, the gates of heaven are never closed, no matter what. Yeah. There isn't a time limit on the statement that prayer and repentance avert the decree. Absolutely. And that's a good point. To shoot, to feel it, to it, to feel it stuck. There's no, there's no time limit. I appreciate that. So let's wrap this up. Did I see a question? Well, it's just so when somebody's talking about this, this spark and of Yiddish and this is what they're talking about. That's right. That's right. And it's it's much deeper than most pe most people think. Naturally, we say that there's a spark of godliness within everyone. Meaning, whether you whether you're aware of it or not, godliness is within you. We're saying much much deeper. We're saying you could be the biggest sinner. 
You could defy God. You could go against God. You could say, I am going to do every single thing in this world to get rid of God, and He is within you. Much deeper. You'll never get rid of that spark. I mean, you know, unfortunately, if someone is a Jew and they convert, did anything happen? Absolutely not. They're still, they're still Jewish. And that's why we say a Jew, that's correct, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew, absolutely. It's nothing, nothing will ever affect that. Okay, so now I'd like to wrap this up and spend a few moments talking about this Russia and, and what, what's the truth behind the Russia. But in summary, we said that there, are, there is the idea of a Russia. Russia is someone who has energy that is active and he can actively do non, not good. <clears throat> We've spoken, we've said there's two general categories. There's the wicked man that has good within him. The good within him could either, if it's very active, could allow him to do full repentance. If it's not so active, well, at least wake him up every so often and say, hey, what's going on? He'll feel remorse, but he doesn't have the energy to fully repent. And then we said, but there is the rush of a rally. There is this person who is in a very bad state. The good is not active. The good is completely paralyzed within him and he unfortunately unless he's going to really try hard is in trouble now let's talk about the Russia the Gemara the Mishnah a famous Mishnah we all say it we've said it thousands of times in our life every time we say Pirkei Avot what is the, the Mishnah that precedes Pirkei Avot anyone remember? All of Israel have a portion of the world to come. Call Yisrael, Yeshlehem, All of Israel. Okay, beautiful. I thought the wicked doesn't have a portion of the world to come. Not only that, let me quote to you the Mishnah. It's a crazy Mishnah in English. The world to come, sorry. All of Israel have a portion of the world to come. But the following, and then the Mishnah continues, what we don't say, the following have no portion. I thought everyone has a portion. Then he told me the following have no portion. And there's many such contradictions within the Talmud. One, one place you'll see that the, the wicked have no portion in the world to come. Other places you'll say everyone has a portion. Here we've learned every Jew has godliness within him. And this is the answer to this contradiction. Yes. Will the person, the way he is in this world, ascend to heaven? Will the person, the way he is in this world, enjoy the times of Mashiach that depends who he is and how he is if he's a righteous person or if he's you know acted appropriately throughout his life then the way he is he's going to enter into that era a wicked person unfortunately he will not enter into that era in the same being that, that energy is never lost, but he's going to have to go through a serious process to basically give him a, a facelift. Give him, completely revamp him. But the soul is still there, remember, that soul never left. And yes, then he'll enter into the era of Mashiach. <clears throat> Are you talking about the 51% of you? Somebody with 50 No, 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 I'm talking about much, much worse. No, no, no. I'm talking about... Will enter, though, not will not. Everyone's going to enter into the time of Mashiach, aside from very few people. And, and the, the mission enumerates serious, serious sins. Things, nothing to worry about. 
But nonetheless, even those people, we say everyone's going to join us. Even, in other words, we're saying even the biggest sinner is going to join us in the, era, in the era of Mashiach. How does that contradiction, how do we reconcile the contradiction? That even the biggest sinner, his godly soul is still there. The godliness may be paralyzed. So what's going to happen is, basically, he's going to be completely changed over. It's not so simple. There's a lot of detail to it. Are you alluding to reincarnation? Or? No, no, no. Reincarnation. Everybody has reincarnation. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a simple example, basically. It says, by reincarnation, by Tchiyas by, HaMesim, how are you going to recognize someone by, when, when, the, when the dead come back to life? How will you recognize them? It says, actually, they're going to be born exactly the way they died. Unfortunately, if they were unhealthy... If they were limp, they're going, to be, they're going to come back to life that way. So you recognize them. Once they've been recognized, they're going to go back to their youthful state, etc. But they're going to be that same person. They're going to be the same Moshe Mendel. A big sinner, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a different person. It's going to be a brand, it's going to be, it's not going to be him. You won't recognize him. Because it's just a godly energy that's going to be coming back. But he's going to be completely revamped, so to say. Are there any questions? On <laughs> <laughs> the simple song. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have a, I have a question just with Bereshi. Sure. Um, that, so the so, commentary I read last week was that before Adam ate of the, the, the fruit, um, he was sort of naturally good. He was like an angel. Yeah. Uh, the, he didn't even have any desire to sin. And then, and then he ate the fruit, and then the desire entered him at that point. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess the, the question is, didn't Hashem know that that was going to happen? Or and was that his purpose, to, to put it there, so that would happen? That's a... Will. <laughs> right, that question doesn't have anything to do with that particular incident. You're asking a, a famous question. A famous question, basically, does God know the future? And if He knows the future, then how do we have free will, free choice? Yes. Right? It's, it's a, you're, you're not asking a, a unique question to that scenario. You're asking a question Paradoxical. that exists in, in everything. So I, I gave the example a few, a, few, a few months ago how you have two cars coming up the top of a mountain and they're about to crash, and you're standing at the top, you know they're going to crash, but you didn't create that crash. So Hashem knows the future, but He knows what we're going to choose. He didn't create the future. Does that make sense? But doesn't He direct things after it happens so that we retain our free will and it's still Ah. the cycle of the Rambam says, no paper, there's not enough paper in this world to, to, to explain how that works. That, that's something we'll never understand. Mm-hmm. We'll never understand how we have free choice, and yet there's divine providence. Mm-hmm. That's something, if I tried to explain it, I'd be a heretic. Perky Avol specifically says, and I don't remember which of these, um, each man has free will to determine good and evil, and yet everything is predetermined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the paradox. Yeah, yeah. In summary, so everyone leaves on a good note. The summary is, 
that the gates of heaven are always open. There is no Jew ever, ever lost. We're all in it together. We're all, we're all going to... You're here tonight. We're all going to always be there. We're not going anywhere. But the most exciting part is, until now we spoke about personalities that weren't connected to most of us. They're tzaddik. To have no bad within us. Certainly something I'm not holding. And I, I know from many of us in this room it wouldn't be applying because it wouldn't be applicable because we've said there's so few of them perhaps it could, still could be everyone in this world in this room nonetheless the Russia is something not, not applicable to anyone in this room next week we learn about the Bainani we learn about the intermediate person and this is going to be the crux of the next many chapters we're going to talk about you about who you are and as the class is titled who you are and what you could be, that's where we're headed. So, thank you very much and see you next week.